What an inspiring introduction here this morning. To think that the God of the universe who made the world and his creation had you and I in mind. You see, there's no end to the goodness of God. And I want to welcome you here today. I want to welcome you here for those that are, have joined us in person. Again, we're so thankful that you're here as well as those who are watching online. It is, it's just a wonderful thing as today we're starting a new and a, a series that I'm very excited to walk through with you. It's called The Heart of the Father. And I believe this, that my greatest desire and the greatest desire that God has is that you would know how much you're loved and you've been chosen by Father God. You see, God adores you and craves genuine relationship with each and every one of you. And because of this relationship, the Father wants to share his glory through you in ways that go beyond your imagination. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's just pray today. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your word that you give us, the promises of your word, Lord, that you declare in your scriptures that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray for every person here today, as we, as we go through this time together, each one of us would just draw even a little bit closer to you and know your good heart towards each and every one of us. Amen. When I was a kid, I could come up with all sorts of wild ideas. Who was like me? You had a great imagination as a child. You, you dreamed up things. You thought about things. Uh, uh, teachers uh, thought I was a, a bit of a dreamer. Uh, that's actually code for you had ADD and you struggle with focusing. I know that I've got some ADD friends out here and my heart goes out to you. Uh, school can be very challenging. Uh, and I could dream about anything. Some of the things I dreamed about were crazier than others. And I'm gonna share with you one really crazy thought I had as a child. It was this, that I was the only human on earth. I don't know if you've ever had a thought like that yourself or, or, or maybe I'm the, the only one. In fact, it, it, it gets better. My actual thought was this, maybe I'm the only human on earth. What if the people around me are really not people at all, but actually robots? That's right, I told you that I had a crazy imagination. Well, here's where it becomes crazier. My job was not to let them know that I knew they were robots. Because if they knew that I knew that they were robots, they might turn on me and attack me. Now, I know some of you are like, the, where are the guys with the white coats? They've got to be coming in here anytime to take me away. You know, for a season in my life, though, I, I really kind of, I started to believe this. And it created some frightening moments and impacted how I interacted with people, especially those around me. You know, I did not want to get too close to those robots. Why am I sharing this today? Well, the way we see or imagine ourselves and the people around us is called our worldview. 
It's how we see things. It's how we perceive things. Our worldview is important because it determines how we view God, how we determine religion, how we determine, look at science, government, and social issues and everything in between. Proverbs 23, verse 7, the first part says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. I know there are many people that think that was a philosopher that came up with that, but that was actually from the word of God. You see, how we think, how we perceive things shapes our beliefs. And our worldview usually starts with the most basic question, and this is where we're going to start today. Um, who am I? Why am I here? Now, kids are always curious about this. We know this. Mommy, where do babies come from? We've all been asked that question, and we're always like, okay, how are we going to handle that question? How do I want to answer it? Well, when, when, when we, we think the question is a biological one, and, and in its purest form, it probably is, but it goes much deeper than that, because really, it's a, a child that's trying to ask this question. Um, it's about my existence, or where did I come from? How did I get here, is really what they're asking. And so to start today... I want to look at a few different worldviews about, man, how did we get here? Now, the first worldview I want to talk about is Darwinism or the evolutionary worldview. If your worldview is evolutionary, which is very much taught in our school systems, it's the predominant thinking out there. If your worldview is evolutionary, it is one without divine or intentional beginning, a beginning typically without God, you see, if we believe this, then our oversimplified worldview is that humans are nothing more than a blob of cells attempting to eke out an existence based on evolutionary strengths or abilities. I'm, I'm just super simplifying this. I know people can put flowers on it, make it look prettier. You see, the stronger live longer while the weak struggle to exist. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. If you're better than somebody at things, you're going to do better. If you're not, well... We hope that you do well, maybe. And because you're only a tiny blip in the sea of humanity, and that it lasts only for a short time, you should live in the moment. Get what you can out of life. And because the world is a harsh system of self-reliance, you need to look out for yourself because nobody else will. You maybe have seen these ideas and these thoughts, especially if you listen to media, you listen to entertainment, you listen to these things, they're out there all the time. In fact, you must resist conformity, especially to social or religious structures because they hinder your free will and associate shame with the fulfillment of natural desires and appetites. You see, the problem with this worldview is that it, it fails to explain the guilt and the brokenness that comes over people who ascribe to this type of thinking. Here's my second thought of how people view the world, and it's called deism. Now, deism is a fancy word. It's a philosophy that believes that God did create the universe, but he's just abandoned man to do whatever man needs to do. So he, it started with God, but God's really not interested in what's going on in your life or your world you see, there was intention in the beginning of creation, in, 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 in the order of science, and maybe even a social contract, but God has determined not to interfere or get involved with the affairs of man. 
Now, this belief promotes scientific process, even evolutionary development, but does not give room for the supernatural or that there could be an actual personal relationship with God. We see God through our five senses, not through spiritual experiences. And prayer is pointless because God doesn't care anyways, as our time is better spent in meditations or other forms of self-improvement. Now, you, you, you may be like, okay, that deism word sounds kind of crazy. It kind of sounds out there. But if you think about it, there's a lot of people that live their lives like, yeah, we know there's God, there's God, but I don't really have time for him and he doesn't have time for me. You see, you and I were created by God, but he is busy and does not have time for you and me or our menial issues. Pain and suffering are part of the journey and definitely not worth the time of the creator. You see, it relegates God to an uncaring, impersonal being that is unwilling to transform man or to intervene in our daily lives. And, and so if you have this view, it, it, it just you're kind of almost in the same place of the evolutionary thought, except that you know there's a higher being, you know there's something there, but really, you just got to figure it out yourself. And here's the third worldview I want to talk about. Who am I? It's the Judeo-Christianism, or what we'd call a biblical worldview, and it's that you were created with divine intention and purpose by God, who is the creator of the universe. You have a unique personality, unique talents, including a unique destiny that is tailor made for you. You are a sinner that has been saved by grace and has been adopted into the family of God. Who's thankful for that today? Because of relationship, you are loved and you're not alone. It means that you are valued and that your presence impacts those who are around you. And if we go to the full limit, you're not just an important person, but a son or daughter of the Most High. It speaks to relationship. It speaks to heritage and legacy. It speaks to position and our purpose in him. You see, this worldview gives people the opportunity to choose a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but also the responsibility for their choices. You see, our worldview is so important because what we believe, how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves functioning and how we relate to God and all of the stuff that I talked about, it, it, it determines our belief system and then our belief system determines our choices and our choices determine our destiny. But because our worldview includes God, what does he say about us or what has he called us to be? Here's my key scripture that I want us to focus on today. It's in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. I like at the beginning of this verse, in verse 9, which is following up, and I'm going to talk about the verses uh, before it just a little bit. It says, you are not like that. Well, like what? 
Well, it, it, he, the, the writer here, Peter, is speaking to believers and he's saying, look, you're not like those people who stumble around because you have rejected truth. Now, when we talk about truth, a lot of people go, well, what is truth? The truth that I am talking about today is that Jesus came to the earth, died for each and every one of us so that we could have relationship with God. That Jesus is the way to God. And so what Peter is saying, he's like, look, look, you're not like that. You're not like those who have rejected the truth that Jesus has come to give you life and relationship with me. You see, we need to remember that the foundational key to our faith is the act that is an act of sacrificial love. Jesus died in our place. Because of sin, we have to remember this before this happened, we lost everything. Not only did Adam and Eve lose the beauty of the garden and the innocence of heart, but most importantly, they lost face-to-face communion with God. And Jesus died so that you and I could have relationship with the Father. He restored our relationship. And this is a game changer if we really, truly believe it because it becomes our belief system and how we view the world. Now, we know that around us people stumble because they're blind and living in darkness. I remember many years ago when I was the youth pastor here and one of the great joys that I had, and I know that uh, Naomi's doing a great job and And Michael did a great job when he was in this role. We had our youth camps every summer. There's a lot of stories. We all have stories about youth camp. Um, Some things that are great, kids getting saved. Also those stories about, wow, man, that kid got hurt and (laughs) wish that wouldn't happen. And I remember one night, one of the highlights of camp that we used to do was we'd have night games. Now, you know, when teenagers, you say, hey, we're going to play games at night. It's always a win. Why? Because you're telling them they don't have to go to bed for one thing. And the next thing is they get to run around in the dark. And we were playing this game, it was called Cops and Robbers, where half the students had to track down and tag the other students. Half were cops, half were robbers. And the game was going great until we discovered that someone had forgotten to take down the volleyball net. In the course of about 10 minutes, and some of these people that were involved in this are here today, We had a student who was being chased and was running at full speed and ran into the net because they could not see the danger. (laughs) I won't mention his name, John. Anyways, it was a... (laughs) You know, it was a... a, He didn't see it. He couldn't see what was going on. Why? Because he was blinded by the darkness. You see, when we reject the truth of God's word, we become blind and disoriented to truth. And in blindness, people chase after ideas and activities that they think will bring them comfort, but only lead to pain and destruction. But Peter said, but you are not like that. I want you to say to your neighbor right now, that's not you. That's not you. You're not like that. You know, so if we're not like that, then what are we, or what are we called to be? Who are we called to be? What, what are we, how are we supposed to live? Well, Peter goes on to give us a list of things. First of all, number one, we're called chosen people. Amen. You and I are a chosen people. Now, 
I know that Tuesday is Valentine's Day, and a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about that day. Well, you know, Valentine's is every day. We got to show our love every day. Don't need to do anything special. I'm just reminding some of you guys out here, you might have that idea in your mind. Tuesday's Valentine's Day. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. Now, my wife is not, I got to say this, she's not a big wine her and dine her girl. That isn't really, um, isn't what gets her too excited about things. You know, cleaning the house, woo, that is like a dream world for her, okay? But occasionally, I got to say this, she likes some nice flowers. And when I go to buy her flowers, I try to find the perfect bouquet. The one without any dead or crushed petals, the one with the right blend of colors, a bouquet that is as beautiful and unique that represents the beauty and uniqueness of her. Now, when God says, you can do that. (laughs) Some of you got to get a little more sappiness in you every once in a while. When God says that you are a chosen person, here's what I want you to understand. It means that you have been handpicked or handcrafted for this time and this moment by him. John 15, 16 says this. Jesus says, you did not, didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. We have to remember this. We did not choose God. He first chose us. He picked us. He preferred us. He desires us. He wants us to be in relationship with them. You, somebody needs to hear this in this audience today that God has picked you. He has chosen you. He desires relationship with you. You need to get that through our heads because I know as we walk through the world and the enemy challenges us and comes against us, it's sometimes we can feel like everything is against us, even God. But he chose us first. And there's nothing random or generic about your existence. You have been chosen from his bouquet for an essential purpose. You are valuable, but most importantly, you are loved. When we grasp this revelation, it changes everything. Now, the second thing that he calls us is he says that we're royal priests. Royal priests. So when we think of royalty, most times we associate it with kings and queens and princes and princesses or the privilege that is associated with royalty. And, and as we go through this series, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. But I have to say in this context, that's not the full picture of First Peter 2.9. It relates more to our service to God. And what really he's saying here is that God is calling us up or wanting just to recognize that we're called to a higher level of service or a higher standard of living for him. It's a royal calling or a royal appointment. And if I could say it like this, it's like the duty or privilege of being part of the king's royal guard. Oh, wait, wait, you're not, you're not just working here. I'm calling you into my service. I've got some special, specific things that I'm calling you to do. You're you're not just to do everything like everybody else. You have a higher calling in your life. 
And it's a call from the common to a distinguished service. And this is where the priesthood comes into focus because it defines what our distinguished service is. Well, what is our distinguished service? Well, to become part of the, to be a priest or part of the priesthood was a call into service to God himself. You see, the priests ministered before the Lord day and night. And we have to understand this, that what started out as the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament was now established as a calling for all believers in the New Testament that we're all called to be royal priests. God has called you to something incredible and great. You see, all of us are called into the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's a special opportunity to do significant things for the King of Kings and the kingdom of God. So how should this impact us? I love what it says in Colossians 3, 23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Come on. You see, when I realize that I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the royal service, uh, you know, it's 007 in his majesty's service. You can think about it like that if you're more into an adventure. That I've got this high calling. I'm, I'm doing things that have very important significance for the king. And remember the Lord will give you an inheritance, it says in verse 24, as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. Ooh. Now people are like, you're talking about serving, Pastor Todd. That doesn't sound exciting. That is, well, yes, it is when you're serving the most high God, it is. It's a high calling to be set apart for service to the Lord. It's a privilege reserved only for those who love him, but for those who are loved by him as well. Wow, what a thought. The third thing he calls and says that we are is a holy nation, a holy nation. Now the word holy or sanctified means to be set apart. When my son was in high school, he decided, and you know about this because I've talked about it a lot, that, uh, that he wanted to play college baseball. That was his dream. And so when he made this decision, we began to have conversations about the commitment and dedication that choice would require. And then he had to eat differently, sleep differently, study differently, spend his free time differently. He had to separate himself from the normal and common activities that maybe all of his other friends and those around him were doing because he had something different that he was called to do. He had to separate himself in order to achieve his goal, and it wasn't always easy. Those who are doctors, lawyers, professional dancers, or musicians, I mean, I could talk about a lot of different businesses here and callings. Most people that are highly successful realize that they've had to separate themselves or do things differently in order to be successful. It's just how it is. So when Jesus called us a holy nation, it was an understanding that our attitudes, our lifestyle, and our relationship would be different from, than those of the world. It's an understanding, and I want to say this today, that you and I were not made for sin. 
We weren't made for sin. We weren't designed just to live our lives willy-nilly, kind of doing whatever we want, but that we were called to separate ourselves under the purpose and focus of living righteously for God. And now, now here's the thing we got to understand. It's not that we do not sin or we don't make mistakes. Holy cow, I'm a professional. <laughs> do we have any other professionals in the, the house here today that would admit, yep, yeah, we're, we're all there. But that we do not embrace destructive and immoral living. We don't say that's, the, that's okay. It's just okay. You see, as God's people, we don't accept what is culturally convenient or morally relevant. We choose to honor Jesus and the Bible even when it's uncomfortable. I, I think we could talk a lot more about holiness. We've kind of stayed away from it because people get scared that it's going to get legalistic. But I believe that God's called us to live for him and to allow him to change us from the inside out in every part of our being. Why? Because as Peter said, you and I, we're not like that. You see, separation from the world equals tough, sometimes painful choices. Here, I'm going to get real here. It's hard not to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage. And, and, and if you're not a person that separated yourself, you're kind of like, well, what's the big deal anyways? But I'll tell you what, it is a big deal because it honors the Lord. It's challenging not to curse or, and criticize everything and everyone you don't like. Come on, we get challenged with that every day. You look at people, you look at your friends. It's difficult to worship God in the midst of loss. But see, when you're separated, you're holy. You, you're like, God, whatever, I'm, I, st I still will serve you. And I'm gonna be different and I'm gonna be looked at differently and not everybody all the time is gonna understand me, but I can tell you this, that when their world begins to crumble, when the things around them begin to, to go crazy, they're gonna kind of look and say, there's something different about you. I need that difference in my life. God's holy people. Here's my last one. The Bible says that we're God's own, and I put in parentheses, possession. I stopped in my preparation that we're just God's own. We're, we're God's one. Can we say it like this, that you are God's preferred one. The one the Lord delights in. See, this goes even a little deeper than you are a chosen people. This is the one that the Lord, the Lord delights in, the one God relates to and returns to. And when, he, when we use the word possession here, I want you to hear this because the word possession has a negative connotation in our culture. Possession is not a picture of domination but a picture of exclusive affection and adoration. It's like a man or a woman with their loved one. I, I, I picked you. I picked you out of, the, out of the sea of humanity, out of all of the, of the people out there. I choose to give myself to you. Amen. Can I keep my eyes off? You. Can I keep my eyes off the one I adore? This is the Lord speaking. I'm always available. I'm always engaged. 
I see it as a picture of a husband who's enamored with his bride. He delights in her. He fawns over her. He protects her. Why? Because she's his own. We're God's own. You're God's own. God loves you today. It reflects the precious love of the Father towards us. You see, we have to understand with God that when, because of his attitude, because of his heart towards us, because we're his own possession, nothing is done towards us with the intention of harm or destruction. You see, there was a time in my life, there was a time in my, my journey as I was growing in my faith, as I was growing in my, in my relationship with the Lord, that I, I had some crazy ideas about God. My worldview wasn't always what it needed to be. My worldview was many times that somehow if I stepped out of line, God was just waiting to punish me. I thought he had a bat. And it was just like, oh, you didn't pray enough today. Poop. Oh, you used a bad word there, thunk. And I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried to please him. I tried to do everything. And God was like, finally it got through my thick skull. Quit trying and just understand I love you. You're my, I love you. And I want to say that today to everybody here as we begin this series. The Father loves you. God, the Father, because of his great love, has rescued us and redeemed us. 1 Peter 2.10, it says, Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. If I could say it this way, once you were, you were lost, once you were struggling, once you were out there, you were, you were striving, you were trying, you were trying to figure everything out, but all of a sudden you recognize that I was calling to you. And I was able to pour out my love, my forgiveness, my mercy upon you. And it wasn't just so that we would be saved because it's so much bigger than that. As you heard today, royal priests, that there's a high calling on your life. There's a high purpose of what God is establishing. There's a high desire. The Father has massively important things to do. And, and, and I believe this with all my heart that, that the, the church or God's people are probably, for the most part, operating at less than 10% of their capacity because they haven't really understood the calling of God on their lives. And how much he loves each and every one of you. You see, if you can see it, you can believe it. And if you can believe it, you will then receive it and it will change the way you live. Today, my heart is that you would grasp the love of your heavenly father in this moment. Maybe you came in here today and you're like, hey, I'm a believer. I, I know that God loves me, but I, I just think there's some 
where in each and every one of our lives that we can take this to a deeper level in us. You see, Jesus came so that we would know the goodness of the Father. It was to remind us of the goodness of the Father. He came when the world only knew oppression, it only knew pain, it only knew suffering. Jesus brought love, hope, and compassion into the world. Why? So they could understand that that sin was the destroyer, but the goodness of the Father towards them was still available. And here's what's so cool, and through us, when we embrace this, the goodness of the Father will be revealed to everyone around us. So here's the call today. Here's what I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart today, that God is calling each and every one of us to embrace, first of all, the love of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a minute. Maybe, I don't care whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or you haven't become a, you're not a Christian yet. Who here today just needed to be reminded of how much God loves you? This is, this is something that's for you today that you needed in the midst of the challenges. Come on, there's more people. Is anybody else that would respond? I believe God's just saying that to, he wants to pour out more of his love on your heart. Now, some of you today, Jesus is calling you to embrace who you are in him. That you are not just, holy smokes, I gotta say, that you're not a second-class citizen. Oh, I just see, I see here, I'm just, this is Holy Spirit, I just see some of you here, you, you hear things about, or you look at people around you and, and, and you're like, man, God is just doing good things in their life, but you just feel like you're a beggar that only, the only thing that you can get are the crumbs that fall from the, the table. And what God is saying to you today is I've got a seat for you at my table. I've got a seat for you right with me. I've got a seat for you. I wanna talk to you. I wanna bless you. But you gotta embrace Jesus, we got to renounce this. Head bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody today that's saying, I've been living in this place where I just, I don't feel like somehow I deserve good things. I've been struggling with, with believing that I have, that God really, really has great things for me. Would you raise your hand? I'm just going to pray right now. I believe that God wants to break this off of your heart and your mind. In the name of Jesus, I just declare freedom and liberty in the Lord. I pray that there will be a, a new understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ. And every one of us, I hear the Holy Spirit is saying, come up, I've got a higher calling for you. You're not just nine to five, eight to four. Some of you, I know it's, you're like, boy, that would be really nice if that's all it was. Seven to seven <laughs> workers, God's got a higher calling. You're called to shine his light. You're called to reflect his glory. Father God, I just pray today, Lord Jesus, that we would embrace the glory today that you have for us. Lord, that we would embrace your love in a new way. God, that you'd call us up 
to a higher place, a higher place in you, Lord, that you would lift us up out of the, the, just the challenges and just the, the wrestling and the striving. And we're going to talk about these things in the weeks to come, but you're going to lift us out of it. And Lord, you're going to take us to a new place in you. I mean, really, that's what my word is today. God has got so much more for you than you can even dream or imagine. God has more for you than you can dream or imagine. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal helper, savior, rescuer, can use a lot of different words, he's here to help you. He's here to love you. All you have to do is embrace him. Embrace him right now. Ask Jesus to come and save you. In fact, I'm just gonna close our time with some prayer here. And, if, and, and when we're done, if you want prayer for anything, if any of these things are touching, we're gonna have people that are going to be here at the front that are gonna be here to pray with you and encourage you. But Father, I just pray for every person today as we're introducing the heart of the Father, we're introducing the heart of the Father today. Lord, that you would take us to new places. I believe that this series is going to be life-changing for everybody if you embrace it, but for many, for sure. Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves the way you see us, that we would see ourselves as chosen people, as royal priests, as a holy nation, as your own possession. God, that we would see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, that our worldview God, would be that you are at the center of it. And because of that, we have hope, we have victory, we have love. I just thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Has God blessed you today? Hallelujah. Again, I remind you this week that uh, we have those Valentine's Day gentlemen, just a reminder. As well, there's prayer Monday night for those who'd like to join us online from 7.30 to 8.30. You can get that link at our website. And again, God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy the Super Bowl today. Enjoy the Super Bowl today. Whoever you root for, may you be blessed. Amen.